Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace, and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. Okay, hopefully this is our last session on Lift Up Your Head. We'll see as the Lord leads us. Um, And I don't want to rehearse what we've done for fear that we will take too much time recapping. But uh, on Sunday it was profound when, as the Lord spoke to us, that firstborn, sorry, uh, lifting up your head involves also um, a release from limitation and encasement. Just go back to the previous slide, I think. Remember we had this, this portion in Second Kings 25, when while still under Babylonian captivity, um, the Babylonian king gave reprieve to Jehoiakim, who was king of Judah in exile. And while in the context of being confined under Babylonian rule in the 37th year of the exile. Remember they were there for 70 years. But in the 37th year, the Bible says that the king of Babylon lifted up the head of King Jehoiakim. Yes, the King's, King James Version of verse 26. Evil Merodech, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, did lift up the head of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, out of prison. Right? And so this is Second Kings 25, 27. Right? So he releases Jehoiakim, king of Judah, from prison. And I said to you, while it's still not total release because you're still in Babylonian captivity. But even while in, in Babylonian captivity, listen carefully, while prophetic word and will have got to take place, for it was prophesied, Jeremiah prophesied to the nation, you will be there in captivity for 70, for 70 years. And so while the ideal situations are not experienced, And while it seems as though you have to wait for the process of God to take its course, God in that time will bring reprieve. In that season will bring relief. Whilst in journeying through that process, you will have favor. While not yet experiencing total freedom and the the most ideal of circumstances, but yet, while you know this is seasonal, because listen carefully, they knew the prophecies by this time. And while you know that I'll have to journey through this, it's only the 37th year, and all prophecies indicate we're going to be here for 70 years, whilst in process, I will experience, even in Babylonian captivity, I will experience favor. And um, the, the Babylonian king, the Bible says, lifted up his head. And and look what it says there. It says, he spoke kindly to him and he set his throne above the thrones of the kings that were with him in Babylon. Right? So this is uncanny, right? Um, This was the king, the new king, that evil evil Merodach king of Babylon replaced Nebuchadnezzar. 
It was customary when new kings came into power to celebrate their inauguration as king, they would set prisoners free. Right? It was a custom in that land. And so Jehoiakim experiences this favor. And he experiences um, this favor above other kings that were imprisoned with him. Remember the Babylonian Empire, their mission was to take over the whole world. So probably there were a whole lot of other kings also in captivity. But the king of Judah enjoys special favor. right? And he lifts up his head. So I'm here to say to you, listen carefully. You know that some of you are in process. And you know that it seems as though, Father, I'll have to see this through. It's only my 37th year. I know this. This is what's going to be for 70 years. So while I journey, and while the, the situation might not be totally ideal, but because of the state of my heart, my, 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 my commitment, my integrity, whilst journeying through the seasonal patch of my life, I know I will experience your favor. Okay? And your favor, I said to you on Sunday, this is indicative of a sign that ultimate release from national imprisonment now will finally be experienced. Right? And so I want you to hold these things within your heart. Um, you might look to the future and say, wow, much more, how much longer. But as I journey, Father, give me a sign that even in my journey I experience your favor. So Joseph is cast into prison, but even in prison, he's made the head prisoner. He's not leading, he's not, his dreams are unfulfilled yet. But even in process, you can't say he's totally free because he's in prison. But even while in prison, favor rests upon him and God makes him the head prisoner. Right? And so I, I, this is a prophetic word. Everyone say prophetic word. You know, you must hear with the spirit. Don't hear with the carnality of your soul. Hear spiritual words with the with an illuminated spirit, right? Receive the word as though someone. I, I said to you, this is a prophetic word. How you must receive this word is like a major prophet in the world that is um, got an impeccable track record has called you out of a global meeting and said, "This is the word for you." In your season, wherever you're not there yet, God is going to favor you. That's how you must receive this word. Personalize it for you. I said to you, this is not a teaching. This is a prophetic word for us. So this is like I'm prophesying over every one of you personally. I'm releasing this to the house. In the seasons of of your journey, and it might be for whatever reason, for sin, for indiscretions, for lack of wisdom, whatever, whatever for, for, for bad decisions in the past, for wrong seeds sown, for wrong things said, whatever the thing is that got you to where you are, and you have to deal with the repercussions of it, with the consequences of it. But your heart is pure. You say, God, I will accept it because I'm reaping where I have. So God is saying now prophetically, yes, go through it. But as you go through it, I'm going to give you signs. 
of release and opening and blessing, like in this respect, it might only be your 37th year. You might still have a while to go, but I'm giving you a sign of ascendancy, blessing and favor now, pointing to an ultimate release. So hold in your hand the sign that points to something major that's going to happen ultimately. Amen? That, that's the word that I'm receiving in my spirit from the Lord even, even right now. I didn't plan to say all of this. It's just coming to me as I'm speaking to you. Hold it in your heart. And you know what? What um, the blessings, we discussed this on Sunday. Quickly, verse 29, his prison clothes are changed. Right? Change your dress. Maybe figuratively and literally. Some of you need to change your dress code. Right? Dress like you're not a prisoner. Dress like you're not a victim. Right? Dr. Trine has been releasing a series um, called Deliverance from Victimhood. People say I'm a victim of circumstances. Victim, victim, victim. No, you're not a victim. Tell your neighbor you're a victor. Right? If you walk around with victim mentality, right? you're not going to get any breakthrough. Right? So change your prison clothes. It does not primarily allude to, prophetically, you changing your garb, your apparel externally. It refers to a spiritual position because clothing depicts empowerment for service. Right? Uh, Paul said, put on Christ. Uh, put on, for example, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Clothing has many representations in the word of the Lord. But primarily, it depicts empowerment and readiness for service. So I'm saying, change your clothes. Are you ready for service? Right? You know, prison clothes are terrible things. Eh? You watch these prison movies. What, the, what is the first thing that escapees do? Change your clothes, because everyone's going to know, eh? you, you, are, you should not be here, you should be in there. When Jehoiakim is released, his prison clothes are changed. He's appropriating a new sphere, a new era, a new season of his life. Amen? So I want to encourage you, um, clothe yourself with Christ. Clothe yourself with preparations you know you should be undertaking. With activity you know you should be doing. In prep Everyone say preparation. Clothing is all about preparation for something more. Study more. Read more. Some of you need to write more. Do something. Right? You never know when and how God's going to require to use the things that He has that He has that He has given you. Amen? Then it says He um, He had His meals in the King's presence. So His diet was changed. Okay, His um, his, his quality of food was elevated almost immediately. It was also done all the days of his life, regularly, all the days of his life. And he even got an allowance. How's that? Yeah? He got an allowance. A regular allowance was given him by the king. And the king don't give small change. Right? King, one king to another king, giving an allowance. If this is not favor, this is unparalleled favor, it was done daily, it was done a portion for each day, all the days of his life. This is consistent supply, right? 
This is supply every single day. Now, just go to the next slide quickly, earlier. The next one. Go back. Remember I said this to you also, that lifting up the head means restoring you to a former position. Um, a, a function that was lost, a function, but God wants to restore it back. God wants to give it back. And for, for Joseph, he interpreted the dream of the baker and the butler. Butler was restored to his former, his former place after three days. Right? He was the chief cupbearer. And there was reinstatement and restoration. But the words of, of, of Joseph to him was, Pharaoh will lift your head. Pharaoh will lift your head. So lifting up the, up the head equates to the restoration and the reinstatement to a former privileged position. Because he was a privileged, he had a privileged position serving um, in Pharaoh's courts, right? That was lost for whatever reason, we don't know what, but he finds himself in prison. But David says, the heart of the king is going to turn toward you again. I'm paraphrasing. He, let me just paraphrase it. What he's literally saying to him, he who was angry with you in one season will favor you in the next season. He who imprisoned you in one season will actually orchestrate your release in the next season. Right? So it's, it's people that are in high um, influential positions that in one respect were, were not kind, not favorable, toward you, but now their hearts will suddenly turn. Can you imagine? You know, the, 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 the reason for his imprison, imprisonment must have been grave, must have been serious, not so? For Pharaoh to put this man in, in prison, we don't know why, why he landed up there, but suddenly the heart of a Pharaohic person is turned and favor instead of anger is shown toward him. Amen? And oh, by the way, some of you need to know this. God is not angry with you. Right? The Lord only has good plans for you. Right? To give you a hope and a, and a future. And unless you adjust your mindset about how God thinks about you and His thoughts toward you, you've got to align your thoughts with the thoughts of, of God. Right? My thoughts are not your thoughts, declared the Lord. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts high above your thoughts. And you have got to align your thinking with the thinking of the, of the Lord. Amen. And so I will encourage you prophetically, expect to increase in favor from men. Jesus grew fourfold. In, I will just say he grew in stature, in wisdom, and it says, in favor with God and in favor with men. In his growth, to put it bluntly, men, people liked Jesus. As the Bible says so, he grew in favor with him. Wherever he went, this carpenter's son, wherever Jesus went, there was grace bestowed upon him. Unusual favor was given to him. And I'm saying to this house, expect to grow Expect there to be an increase in the levels of favor that people 
show you. And favor is unfair. <laughs> favor you don't work for. People suddenly start to like you. For no reason, they sense the divine quality in you. They'll give you special privilege. Unusual kindness will be bestowed upon you. Simply because of a divine recognition of sonship within you. Right? So don't walk around with victimhood mentality. Walk around and say, I'm highly favored of the Lord. And he's going to cause men on the earth to notice me. Even the psalmist David and one of the prophets in the Old Testament said, God, you were angry with us once, but no, no more. Even the psalmist says his anger lasts for a moment. God is so opposed to being angry with his sons. He says, even if I'm angry with you, it's momentary. But he says, my anger lasts for a moment, but my favor will last a lifetime. Isn't God good? How many of you know people whose anger lasts a lifetime? I I get angry, and my wife is my 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 um, can corroborate this. My anger lasts a moment. I'm like God in this respect. I get angry with somebody, just for disappointing me in some respect, and in the next sentence, I get over it. Why? I want, you, I want to model what, how my father is. But I want to quote the verse again to you. For some of us, it needs to settle and sink into our spirits. It says, the anger of the Lord lasts a moment. But his favor will last a lifetime. Right? Who wants lifetime favor? <laughs> this is like uncanny favor, unusual favor, consistent favor, all King Jehoiakim, all the days of his life, change in apparel, allowance, elevated diet, all the days of his, of his life. And the butler was restored, special favor showed to him by the highest law, the highest authority in the land, at that point in time. Okay. Lifting up the head also indicates the nearness of final redemption and the fulfillment of prophetic word. Now, I, I, I captioned this deliberately, the nearness. Everyone say nearness. The nearness of redemption. In other words, the proximity of it. It's near. It's right close Redemption, which means to buy back, or also it includes the process of restoration, put you back in a formal position. Something was lost, but God will buy it back, redeem, right? But that process is near. Remember the book of Ruth? Right? How she was redeemed after sleeping at Boaz's feet that night. The next day she was redeemed, right? After obeying Naomi's seven instructions, six or seven, remember, if I can remember them, wash yourself, anoint yourself, put on your, your best clothes, go down to the threshing floor, mark the place where he lies, uncover his feet, and there lie. Remember? And each one has significance. Our obedience to a spiritual father's instruction, a courageous, daring act of obedience, because if Boaz disapproved of her, 
it was certain death, remember? Um, A courageous act of obedience to Father's instructions changed her life in one night. Because when she came home and she related the story to Naomi, what did Naomi say to Ruth? The man himself will not rest. Next morning he was at the city gates orchestrating and putting into play the process for her redemption. And what does Boaz's name mean? Swift, fleet, quick, right? Now I want, to encu- I want to spur you in terms of your faith position. This is not going to take forever. Some of you are saying, I'm in so much financial debt, I can see us paying this off for the next five years, the next ten years. Maybe in 15 years we'll settle this. I want to encourage you, don't think with a postponement mentality. That's why I'm urging you, grab this word, not with your mind. Grab this word with your spirit. And remember the Bible says in Hebrews, why didn't the children of God not go in? Right? Through unbelief, it says, because the word that they heard was not mixed with faith. Be it unto you according to your faith, as you encode the word. Amen? So if, if I were you, I would start to bring near what you have deferred in your mind when certain things are going to happen. Even bring your marriage near for those of you trusting the Lord to be married. Hmm? Bring your financial breakthrough near. Um, This point I only added in, I think, the morning before we came to church on Sunday, early Sunday morning. I added this principle in. I just felt... Um, that the Lord spoke to me in prayer that the redemption is near. Right? Let's read the context. Luke twenty one twenty five says, there will be signs in the... Now obviously, let me just quickly relay. This prophecy was fulfilled in 70 AD. Historically, it did. It did happen. But all prophecy has got present and futuristic fulfillment. Also present and prophetic symbolic fulfillment. Now that is what we are after tonight. What is the prophetic message, symbolic message contained in this prophecy? Luke 21, uh, 25. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars on the earth. Dismay among the nations. In perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. Men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And you remember what Hebrews 12 says? I will shake the heavens, I will shake the earth, so those things that must be removed will be removed, so that the things which must remain shall be remain. Therefore it says we have received a kingdom that cannot be, that cannot be shaken. So God is shaking Everything around, but only um, realities and principles, persons in the kingdom will not be moved. But God is rattling everything, shaking everything for the full release of the maturity of the church, his sons. Then they will see the Son of Man coming with a cloud, with power and with great glory. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up. And lift up your heads. Here's what I want to get to. 
straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing nigh. Right? Your redemption is drawing nigh. He told them a parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they put forth leaves, you see it and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, recognize the kingdom of God is near. Part of the message here is that through any crisis will come a higher or new dimension of the kingdom manifest. The kingdom always manifests through crisis. That's the way it happens. No crisis, no kingdom manifestation. So when this, these global calamities happen, the Lord is saying, recognize, not so much, do not focus on um, the negativity and the trauma of these events. You must focus on what they indicate. They indicate the nearness of a greater reality. They indicate two things in this context. It says that um, your redemption is drawing near and the kingdom of God is near. So I want to encourage you, now this is sort of on a vast global scale, um, but in your own personal crisis, in your world, right? Sonship maturity will be squeezed out from great personal calamity. God will ensure, even in the Exodus, how did God bring forth the firstborn son, Israel, from Egypt? What did he say to Pharaoh? Let my son, my firstborn son, go. The Exodus was the bringing out of an identity, not so much the destruction of an Egyptian empire, it was the release of an identity of sonship, firstborn sonship, and how did God do it? Ten plagues, great confusion, great turmoil in the nation, but all of that drama was to bring forth something out. And you know, right now, I've got a renewed appreciation for suffering. Therefore, Paul says, I will be glad and rejoice in my infirmities. Um, I've realized, and Renee and I have grown remarkably. I'm saying it as an objective fact, through the sufferings. And now my view of suffering is, if ever we go through a trial of any dimension, any dimension, we always ask ourselves, what is God speaking by subjecting us to this process? What aspect of sonship is he wanting to mature, right? We factored out complaint out of our dealings with adversity. Factor complaint and factor negative speaking out. All you focus on is, son though he was, he learned obedience by the things that he, that he suffered. Now all you must focus on is, particularly when things go awry and topsy-turvy and the carpet is pulled from under your feet and you feel like you're in your own personal great tribulation, recognize your redemption is near. Recognize the kingdom is coming near. Right? But what did, what did Jesus say? It, it, it seems almost contradictory. In these seasons, your head should be hanging down. But he's saying, I mean, this is serious stuff going on here. Right? 
men's heart, verse 26, fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world. And we see some trappings of it happening globally even now. So everyone, by context, head should be hanging down. But the message to you is, no, lift up the head. Don't let the situation dictate your posture. Lift up your head because spiritually, you are so near to maturity. Spiritually, you're so near to some aspect of appropriation of some spiritual reality. Your, 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 your redemption is near. The kingdom expression is more proximate. You're more closer to expressing the divine in far greater authenticity and authority. Now more than ever before. But God is going to bring it forth from the context of great suffering. So lift up your head. How many people have been suffering? Am I the only one? To some degree. But you mustn't suffer as an evildoer. Let me remind you. Paul said that. He who suffers must not suffer as an evildoer. But you must suffer for righteousness sake. But apart from that, even though you are a son, you are living circumspectly, God will subject you to suffering to reveal the kernel, the best of the divine in and through your life. No one is going to bypass suffering. I would suggest to you, learn your lessons quickly in the thing that God has allowed you to suffer or else He will simply revisit you with the same trial year after year after year until you've matured. Dr. Seki said something remarkable on, on, on Thursday. Stuff we know, but this was a powerful reminder. He said, the Uweos son, God was, Jesus was only declared Uweos at the Jordan. No other place. Another geographical location could have been chosen, could have been a mountaintop, but it was at the lowest, the Jordan means the lowest place, eh? Descent, remember? Jordan means descent, or humility. Indicates humility, downward. Right? He chose the lowest spot in the son's life, as it were, to declare and affirm him as his, as his son. But, you know, to get to Jordan, the Bible says he had to leave Galilee. And what does Galilee mean? Circle, cycle. Right? Some of you need to come out of this circular, repetitive pattern, almost predictable, of the kinds of things that you're experiencing and come out of the circular expression, right? So that God can declare, you are my son, right? You are my Uios. And Jesus was released into public ministry straight away, not so? Straight away. A thought that dawned upon me, that was confirmed by Dr. Segi um, on, 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 on Thursday. At the dialogues on Wednesday, we discussed extensively Romans. Those who are led, by the Spirit of God, those are being led, Romans 8.14, they are the what? They are the sons of, of God. Right? And um, let me just say it. Only a son, Uios, is led. A, a Nepios is not led. A Technon is not led. A Pidon is not led. A Neaniscos is not led. Only a mature son can claim leading by the Spirit. 
Right? How many people you... Ex- I mean, I've got countless examples I can give you. People will tell me, the Lord said to me, I'm led by the Spirit to make this decision. In my mind, I know... Now, you can't argue with the person when the person says that. Because who are you to argue with God? I can't say, no, God didn't say it. What I'm, what I'm in the habit of saying now recently, I'm saying, can I give my view of what you think God said? Because right? <laughs> I've seen immature people claim the leading of the Spirit, make wrong decisions, suffer shipwreck. Only a Uriah son can be led. That's Luke 3, eh? Where was Jesus baptized? Luke 3. How does Luke 1... Luke 4 starts. And Jesus being led by the Spirit into the what? Into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Right? The Spirit led Jesus in Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 3, the Father said, You are my Uweos. For as many are as the Uweos are being led by the Spirit. So I really want to encourage you. Um... To, to develop in maturity. Develop in maturity. Learn your lessons well. Learn your lessons fast. Come out of Galilee. Descend in humility. Because some are still too opinionated. Everybody has an opinion today. You know what the definition of humility is? I taught you, Proteus. How does James say it? Receive the engrafted word with Humility that's able to save your soul, right? If you sit, listen carefully, uh, brethren. If you sit through powerful Bible studies with an opinion, you've already discounted the word working. It's because the word will not save if your opinion mentally is held up in contradiction to what is being presented. And I said to the, to the, to the to dialogue forum, we discussed, I said, we as leaders, there were about 20, 22 pastors. I said, we have got to factor out our rational thinking from our minds if we are to receive words from God that are going to change and and bring uh, fruit to our ministries and our destinies. Protest means, listen carefully, uh, amongst the the, the obvious lowliness lowliness, uh, of mind, it means to divest oneself of an opinion. Remember we did this? Divest oneself of an opinion. Whenever you come to God, you must come with virgin mind. Uh, Innocence. Innocence. One one verse was read at the dialogues. Jesse read this. uh, The portion in Luke where Jesus said to the Pharisees or his disciples, he says, I've taken these things, these mysteries of the kingdom, and I've hidden them from the wise and from the intelligent. But I've given them to, be, to infants. Nepios in that context. But it's not nepios as in an, a lesser state of maturity. What Jesus was alluding there to is, you know, our, our innocence, the innocence of a child. The acceptance, the willing, the agreeability of a, of, a, of a child. Listen carefully. The Lord is saying, I have hidden certain things from the wise and the intelligent, but I've given the mysteries to infants. In other words, what was Jesus saying? The biggest, sometimes hindering block 
to accessing things divine. Secrets is the wisdom of the man. His own carnal, natural mind can present a, a barrier. Right? I'm saying this because, brethren, we have to be led by the Spirit. And sometimes the greatest sort of hindering factor to being led by the Spirit is one's own mentality, one's own thinking, one's own opinion, one's own mindset on the issue. And unless you humble, I'm saying this prophetically, unless you humble yourself and you become like a child again, nothing will work for you. No transformation. The word will, you will hear it, but it will do nothing for you. You've got to receive the word like you're receiving it, like a little child receives it. I'm at the place now where I'm saying, God, take my, my logicality, my rationality out of my mind. Let me receive the purity of your word as it is delivered to me. Let me not fight it, let me not contradict it, but let me receive it in pure innocence so I can start to, to do it. Amen. For unless these things happen, then we'll be circular, circular for long seasons of our lives. We'll be in this Galilee um, uh, frame of mind or characteristic of our lives. But we need to go down. You see, to come out of a circle, to come out of Galilee, you must go down to Jordan. To come out of a circle, you must descend. Descend in your thinking. Descend in your humility. Uh, divest yourself of your opinion. And I say this to you prophetically. And I trust that you receive the word, uh, the word of the Lord. Amen? So the nearness, I like this term nearness. I was looking for a term, but I said, Lord, but it's in the word. Your redemption is drawing near. Everyone say near. And I just said, no, it's nearness. Okay. I was thinking of these sophisticated terms like proximity. Uh, but this word is, I just love it, nearness. Everyone say nearness. Um, you can taste it, touch it, feel it. It's right there. It's right close. And I'm saying to us, lift up your head. Lift up your head. Out of the circular fashion of your own suffering up to this point in time. For from it the Lord will bring forth significant aspects of sonship from you in this season. But it's not going to take too long. From this, on, this point onwards, the Lord says to you, it's going to happen with speed. It's going to happen near. <laughs> Amen. Your redemption draweth nigh. I'm not sure what we have after that. I don't think I have the next few um, slides afterwards. No, I think we, I'm just going to share one thought before we close. I don't have a slide for this. Lifting up the head, um, two things. Headship in the scripture must be lifted up. The, 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 the Hebrew word rosh indicates headship for head. Rosh. Rosh is head. Right? And I want to encourage you, lift up your heads, leaders. Right? Leaders in this congregation, lift up your heads. But the principle of leadership must be, um, and, and it's lifted up head position, must be all pervasive. It must take place wherever there's a, lead, a headship principle. 
publicly. For example, in marriage, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Husbands, lift up your heads. Headship, the representative principle of, of headship indicates in the family context, husbands that should lead their families. So I want to encourage you, lift up your heads, husbands. In other words, take your position, take your responsibility. You should be leading your family spiritually. You should be the greatest activator of spiritual, of, of spiritual development in your home. You should be leading it consciously. And this is even, I'm speaking to my own life. Take it to the next level. Determine. A, um, you see, spiritual, the, the spiritual responsibility for the spiritual state of your wife and your children is not mine first. It's yours first in your home. I'm here to help tweak and build and sometimes guide that process. But on a domestic, private level, you have to come and take your, your place as the head. And I'm saying, lift up your heads, oh, you gates. And I'm speaking to the headship principle in you, the leader in you. In, in, in terms of your domestic dwelling, the husband must take his place and lead, right? And lead spiritually. Um, I, I want to encourage, I know in some instances, wives are strong and they're strong spiritually and they take responsibility um, for the spiritual welfare of the kids, etc. And that is fine because you are, you, you, you work as one flesh. But it must not lull you into passivity. Right? Um, you must still steer the ship. You must still chart its course. Right? But it demands that you be focused. Uh, you, if you, I'm talking to husbands tonight. You should be the greatest Bible reader in your home. You should be visibly reading your word before your children, before your families. Why, why is that so? Set the example. Right? Yeah, family devotion times. Have input. Pray audibly. Pray aloud in your home. Set the pattern. Right? You know, the greatest um, teacher of prayer is one who models prayer. I can teach you principles of prayer. But um, I guarantee you, I've taught Liam and, and Luke more about prayer by praying before them and let them, them hearing me how I talk to my father. Right? I can teach him in the Bible that it's fine, but I, there's certain, you know when Jesus prayed with his disciples? He always prayed with an earshot hearing. Right? They could hear him. How did Judas know where to find him? In the garden, he'll be there in the garden praying. Let's go and arrest him there. Right? Remember he asked the three, come a little while. He left the nine. Peter, James, and John, he says, and I like the way the, the Bible says, come a little while and pray with me. Right? Best, I want to encourage husbands. Lift up your heads. God wants to come into your home. The king wants to come into your home in a greater way. Right? Um, demonstrate your love for God's word by reading the scriptures. Um, not just to your family. Demonstrate your love for God's word by literally studying the word in view of your, of your family. Right? The things that are important to you, model them before your, your family. So husbands, lift up your heads. Right? Um, so the king of glory can 
come in. Bring back biblical divine order to your homes. Amen. Lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Amen. Right? Now, just one quick thought before uh, we go. I was thinking today of the verse. In, you know Psalm 23 says, um, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me besides still waters. He leads me, he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He prepares a table. Thou admit me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You see, you remember. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I was thinking of that portion where he says, I will, He prepares a table before me in the presence of of my enemies. And the very next statement, he anoints my head with oil. Right? He anoints my head with oil. And um, the word anoint in the Hebrew means to make fat. What the psalmist is saying, he literally makes my head fat with oil. Uh, alludes to many things, but it speaks of the profuse, abundant oil that is poured upon the head. The Lord is my Shepherd. David wrote that psalm and he's talking as from the vantage point of him being a sheep and the Lord being his shepherd. Right? Him being the sheep and the Lord being his, his shepherd. And um, oil was smeared on the heads, the head parts of sheep for many reasons. I mean, talk about naturally. But one of the primary reasons was that so that insects, especially lice, would not come near the head of the sheep. Because what they would do, get into the ears of the sheep and ultimately cause damage. Right? It blocks hearing. The voice of the shepherd is not heard anymore. It can even cause brain damage and some illnesses. And some were fatal. So what the shepherd would do, this is, you can Google this, this was done by shepherds in Palestine. They would literally take oil and smear it on the heads of the sheep. It was a protective mechanism. It was good for the sheep to have an anointing. <laughs> right? Why? It was for your protection. Right? So that, the, so that um, you would not die prematurely through the invasion of unwarranted... In fact, the insects would try come. They could come on any of, from any part of the body as they would attempt to come to the head, because the head would be so drenched with oil, the insects would not find a grip and they would slip off. They would not come near vital organs like ears, eyes, mouth, nose. Right? The youth did a program a few weeks ago about the five gates. Right? You protect your gates by having an anointing. And we know the anointing speaks of who? The Holy Ghost. Right? He anoints my head with, he anoints my head with oil, and so I just I won't have time for this, but just to quickly list them, it speaks of protection, right? The your, your anointing, and let me just say this: Christ in you is the anointing, and the anointed, he's the anointed one, right? 
You have an anointing and unction within us. And I want to encourage you, never, ever um, do anything to, to, to compromise the fact that you indeed you are uh, anointed. Amen? You are anointed. Tell your neighbor you are anointed. I'm just going to find a verse here quickly. Oops. Just quickly, let me just list it was for, for protection. Um, it also indicates the abundance of provision because in the very next portion of, song, of that psalm, he said, my cup runs over. He anoints my head with oil. My, my cup runs over. And I said to you, the anointing was usually profuse. Was usually uh, profuse. It also alludes to doing things to be seen by God and not doing things to parade an impression before men. The reference is Matthew 6 uh, in verse 17 where Jesus said, when you fast, anoint your head that you don't appear unto men to fast but appear to your Father. Right? And so anointing of the head in that regard speaks of doing things with purity of motivation um, for God's purposes, to be seen by God, and not to parade obedience, or seeming obedience, or spirituality, or piety. You appear pious, you appear holy, by mannerisms, the lifting up of the hands, the pietness, the, 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 the rightness of behavior when you're in a public forum. By all external appearances, you are fine. But you know internally, you are not. Far from God. Worshipping with your mouth, but your heart is far. Now Jesus said, when you fast, don't make a show of it, but rather anoint your head so you don't look forlorn and you know, everyone knows you're fasting, losing weight. Uh, Jesus said, no, anoint your head so that you don't appear unto men to fast, but you appear unto your to your father. So the anointing of the head then indicates to me that I must function singularly with purity of motive to please my father and not to appear spiritual before my brothers to win their favor. Now everybody can think, oh, what a, what a fine person Randolph is. See his obedience. See his faithfulness. Also, anointing speaks of honor or Yes, honor. Remember in Luke, take a reference time, we won't read it, Luke 7. Remember in Luke 7, uh, towards the end of that chapter, it's a fairly long chapter, like 50-something verses, I think, in that chapter. But towards the bottom, the Bible says Jesus went into a home of a Pharisee. The Pharisee was Simon, remember? When he came in there, uh, there was this Mary, the prostitute, remember? She... Um, <clears throat> She stood behind Jesus and she, she teared, right? And with the tears washed his feet and dried them with the long hair. And she took oil and she anointed him as well. Remember? So the anointing oil, listen carefully. And what did, what did Simon say? Oh, by the way, Simon was a Pharisee, not so? Who was Jesus' biggest problem in the Gospels? Pharisees, religious folk. The Bible says, you know, this is so uncanny of Jesus, but he went into this Pharisee's house at the Pharisee's request. Right? Must love all people. Jesus demonstrated even loves the Pharisees. Go into the guy's house and he reclined at the table. Right? Simon gets angry. And Simon thinks and he says, 
if Jesus, if this man were a prophet of God, he would know what sort of woman this is and would not allow him, the woman, to, to touch him. In the religious mind. And then Jesus says, Simon, knew you were thinking, he says, Simon, let me tell you a parable. A certain uh, master was owed money by two people. One owed him, I think it was 500 and the other 50 denarii. And he forgave them both. Who was forgiven more? Obviously the one that was, that owed him more. And so Jesus said, yes, because he loved more. I came into your house, he said. You didn't give me a greeting. Didn't give me a kiss, which was customary. Gave me no water to wash my feet. But this woman, he says, this woman, right, washed her feet with my tears and has anointed me with oil, alabaster, spikenard, costly, costly stuff. Right? Jesus makes the statement, they that love much, how does it say? They that have been forgiven much, love much. Right? So the Simon, listen carefully, failed to honor Christ in that context. This woman showed lavish honor and gratitude for the master. And she was praised for it. He says, daughter, your sins are forgiven. And they still question Jesus. Oh, now he has authority to forgive sins. You know, the big, big, big story there afterwards. But I really want to encourage you. um, Part of what the anointing represents in that context would be a person that excels in the principle of showing honor, respect, appreciation, gratitude. These things are basic. They're fundamental to the kingdom. And we must never ever adopt a Pharisaic mindset of, um, of, 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 uh, of uh, erring in this regard. Right? I, I've said to you often, you can flummox and flounder and sin in many areas. But the sin of dishonor is regarded seriously by the Lord. Right? Seriously, but Miriam dishonored Moses, and the Bible said God was angry with her. If there's something that angers God, is when his servants are dishonored. It's like you rile, you can rile God the wrong way up any way you want to, but don't riling up the wrong way by dishonoring, by dishonoring the servants of God that he sends you. Keep your head anointed. Keep the mindset correct. Keep the mindset correct. And you know also, anointing was also for empowerment for for service. Like kings were anointed, priests were anointed for office. They were instated uh, to function in a particular way. I'm just saying this. This is a separate study on its own, but I'm just giving you pointers. I, I want to encourage you to maintain your function, maintain your office. I just want to share with you one, one portion of scripture. You must take this down. I just want to get it because I didn't have it in my original note. Um, remember what uh, Ruth was told by Naomi? Wash yourself. Anoint your, anoint yourself right, with oil. You've got to maintain the anointing of the Spirit and His work within your life. Right? And um, there's a verse here in Deuteronomy 28, verse 15. But it shall come about, if you do not obey the Lord your God, 
to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I charge you today, that all these curses will come upon you and will overtake you. So if you don't obey, it says all these curses. And then from verse 16 onwards is a whole lot of curses um, that will come upon you if you disobey. And in verse 40, one of the curses for disobedience is this. Verse 40 says, you will have olive trees throughout your territory, but you will not anoint yourself with oil, and the olives will drop off. Anointing oil was made from olives, not so? Crushed, and, and other ingredients as well. God says here, the penalty for disobedience to Israel was, and he says, you disobey me, God says, your olives, your olive trees will bear olives, but they will drop off before the time so that you will have no anointing oil to anoint your, yourself. Now we know anointing is symbolic of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And there's this verse, Acts 5 verse 32 says the following, We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. Who loves the Holy Ghost? I'm, I'm just giving a recently... Such a great appreciation, respect, and reverence for him. It says, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to all those who obey him. Right? Who gets the Holy Ghost? All those who obey him. If you want to increase, that's why I, I sent the, the, to cajole your thoughts in the week, I said, what things grieve him? Don't offend him. Because if he's in a place of offense, he cannot perform his total work within your own life. If he's in, if he's in a place of being grieved, you stifle and you, you suffocate the fullest extent of his own work within your life. Disobedience. It says the Holy Spirit is given to them that obey him. Israel is told... You disobey me, you got no olives, no olive oil, and you will not be able to anoint yourself. So how do I keep this anointing? Through obedience. I maintain my anointing. If I say to you, Chris, anoint yourself. I'm Naomi, you Ruth. Anoint yourself. Publicly you know, tying all these verses together, all I must do to maintain the Holy Spirit's work in my life is be obedient to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is given to all those that owe, that owe, that obey Him. And so, lift up your head. Anoint your head with oil by maintaining your obedience to the Lord in all respects. Amen? In all respects. Do you know, in some instances, uh, sheep by nature are very placid, docile animals, not so? But at times they can fight each other, as is true with modern day sheep in the kingdom. But the shepherd knows, and sometimes certain sheep grow horns. You've seen them? And they say sheep whose heads have been well oiled, when they start to headbutt, they they fight, guess what happens? The headbutting causes no damage at all because of the the, the, what you call it, lubricant 
the lubrication of the oil. Um, think of it, with, with, no, with no anointing, they'll literally fight and there'll be damage and blood and brain damage even. But if the head is thoroughly anointed, when they do headbutt, little or no injury is suffered by the sheep. David says, you anoint my head with oil. David is talking like a sheep. David is saying, any other sheep headbutts me, guess what? No damage on me. Right? If my head is anointed. I can, I can be the recipient of great assault. But because of my mentality is governed by the Holy Ghost. I don't take things personally. Uh, the intended infliction of pain is not received. Because my, my mindset is well lubricated with the anointing oil. So lift up your heads by lifting up your state of being anointed. Right? Lift up your heads. Maintain the work of the Holy Ghost in your life. Don't grieve Him. Right? Um, I'll talk more. I didn't offer my perspective on Ephesians 4 because it's going to be in the study when we do it. But largely, if you look at the context, all of those issues listed there are, are issues that amount when you relate to other people, not so. And you grieve the Holy Spirit. Every time you don't accurately discern the body of Christ. Right? He's, he's grieved most in a corporate setting. Right? And he's totally, you totally frustrate his work and the efficacy with which he can work in, in one's life. Right? But I, I really want to encourage you um, to have a lifted up head position. Because your redemption is near. Your redemption is nigh. It's at hand, some scriptures say. Right? It's near you. It's proximate. Um, don't live in the realm of deferment and postponement to some, um, to some place even next year. Say, Lord, this year, 2014. It's not over yet. Um, and some of you haven't made pace this year, spiritually. And I'm saying it's not too late. Um, Take the grace that is inherent within this word and fast track your development. And say, God, I'm going to give it a spurt. One last burst. Right? I'm going to push until I attain all that I know the Lord has sovereignly given to us. Amen. So lift up your heads so that the King can come in.